This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Because if you don't know your history, you don't know your future. And your future has to be what happened the early days under Matt and Jimmy Murphy. Without doubt. And, and, and tell them that what Jimmy did about planting seeds of the, the history. That is the most important thing you can do with young players coming to my United. Tell them what the, their expectation is. To realise the expectation is, you know what? A point for my United is no point for Bolton Wonders or Barry or, or Rochdale. It's a point for the biggest club in the world. So the early days of Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, or we should say Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, or we should even go further beyond that, Paddy, and mm-hmm. talk about Alex Ferguson, regular Alex Ferguson, before Manchester United, before Aberdeen. Let's yep. go all the way back to St Mirren. Um, yep. let's, let's disregard the, um, world, the world-class striker um, that he thought he was as a player. <laughs> and, um, the, yeah, the... He, wasn't, he wasn't bad. Let, 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 let's be fair about this. His stats are very good. He was a goal scorer, a poacher, um, a fighter, uh, a, a, a teammate of, of his, John Gregg, who, who played briefly with him at Rangers, um, said he played against him as well. Uh, and he said, "When he, when you felt the force of Alex Ferguson's elbows, it was like being stabbed." <laughs> I think that conjures up uh, an image of uh, of of of, of an, a part of his game. But you're quite right to move on to his management career, um, which was it started but very briefly at East Stirlingshire, the yeah. tiny club in in the town of uh, Falkirk, obviously the second club in Falkirk. Um, and you, you know, you really couldn't have had a more humble start. But he he was instantly successful in galvanising East Stirling, and it was very soon after that that St Mirren came calling for him. And uh, this was the first marriage made in heaven, really, um, because uh, you know it, it's it's fairly well known that that, and we'll we'll talk about this that that Alex Ferguson and Manchester United were made for each other because Manchester United were based on the Matt Busby principles of build from within, build your own players, create a family of your of your own players, and uh, it, it was the same as at Mirren. They'd already started a youth policy uh, when they uh, beckoned Alex Ferguson to make the short journey from uh, East Stirling uh, to Paisley. 
incredible when you look at the the numbers. Really, um, they won the Scottish First Division, which was built, the, the Premier Division already existed in Scotland at that time. Um, but when you look at the numbers, Paddy, it was there for four years. They won the, the First Division in 1977. The average age of that team was 19. The captain, Tony Fitzpatrick, was 20. They were renowned yeah. for playing exciting football. But yeah. we're talking about, I mean, people compare eras, and that's something that we'll probably be doing as we mm-hmm. go along this. But bringing in an average age team of sort of 19, 20 in this day and age, mm-hmm. you, could, you could conceive it, you could see that it could yeah. be the case and even 10 years ago maybe 20 years ago you could say oh that's a bit young but definitely yeah. with with some experience around them yeah the, the fledgling the fledgling team for example is 23 24 mm. so to go back another 20 years before that an average age of 19 is, yeah is i mean tony fitzpatrick um when they won that title it was 20 i think you said yeah he was actually a teenager when when ferguson made him Made yeah, him uh, yeah. the the captain, but it was a prolific youth policy. As I say, it was it, it was obviously good um, before um, because it had uh, produced um, not only Fitzpatrick but uh, a centre half called Bobby Reed, who, who who actually his career was ended by injury, but he he could have been a considerable player, um, and and one or two others. But Ferguson just ramped things up. Mm. And uh, in the end, I mean, all sorts of, of, of notables came out of the St. Mirren youth policy after, you know, while it was still producing, after Ferguson had left, Frank McAvenny, um, sorry, um, Frank McGarvey, yeah. uh, McAvenny later, actually, uh, Billy Stark, who, who Ferguson signed later for Aberdeen, you know, all really, really good players. I mean, Peter Weir, Mm. Who, who later joined Ferguson and took part in the uh, in the fantastic cup, European Cup Winners' Cup triumph of 1983. Um, when they beat Real Madrid, Weir was one of the stars of that team. So, I mean, you could go on and on and on about the players that this uh, youth policy uh, produced. It. Um, and, and, and it was, uh, yes, Ferguson inherited it, but he certainly nurtured it uh, yeah. in... In uh, in uh, conjunction with a uh, the scout that, that he got at the time, uh, a lad called Archibald, uh, oh, what was he called? But he, he was known as anyway. He was known uh, uh, whether it was his lack of hair or or a, a shortened form of Archibald. He was known as Baldy, <laughs> and uh, uh, Baldy and and Alex Ferguson had a. Uh, I suppose he was the Eric Harrison of the time, Baldy yeah. and. And they, they, used, they had quite a, a good relationship. And, and Ferguson actually mentioned him in one of his <coughs> autobiographies as, as one of probably the most remarkable of all the many scouts he'd used in his career. Yeah. Um, from St Mirren, he went to Aberdeen. There was some um, discrepancy whether whether or not he was actually dismissed or whether he'd been poached by Aberdeen. Oh, he'd been poached. <laughs> but, he, but he certainly ended up there. Um, he lost He lost the court case anyway. Um, <laughs> and no, no, he was definitely poached. I can tell you the, the story, uh, if you like. It, 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 Aberdeen, uh, he claimed that he'd been dismissed by St Mirren and, and sued them. Uh, but in actual fact, uh, St Mirren had been tipped off uh, the Aberdeen by a, a journalist friend of Ferguson's who seems to have been playing off both sides, um, both Ferguson and St Mirren, 
um, uh, called Jim Roger, and the late Jim Roger was more than a journalist, a lot more. He 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 would arrange transfers uh, of uh, changes of manager, and uh, uh, undoubtedly he was involved in the in Ferguson's move from St Mirren to Aberdeen, um, and unfortunately for Ferguson, um, as I say. Uh, he made sure that not just Ferguson but St Mirren were aware of it all the way through. So, um, yeah, he it, it def- it definitely was poached. There's no question about that. What kind of impact did he have on, have on Aberdeen from the start? Well, Aberdeen, a little bit like uh, St Mirren, uh, were prepared for Ferguson. They had already instituted a, a, a youth policy. They had a young, a, a, some good young players in the team, Alex McLeish being a, 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 a very good example of that. And, um, uh, and, and, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, the youth policy was, was very good and it, it extended already into Glasgow, you know, Ferguson's um, native area. Um, but, and also the, the idea that Aberdeen were a, a nothing club you know, um, when Ferguson took them over is, is fanciful as well because they actually, in the season before uh, Ferguson joined, uh, after Billy McNeil had gone back to Celtic as manager, uh, Billy McNeil actually got them into second in the league. They, they pushed Rangers pretty hard mm. in both the league and the cup. Uh, so this was not... And, and their average crowd was something like uh, 18,000. So they... They, they, this was not a, a nothing club when Ferguson arrived, but he, once again, as at St Mirren, he made the youth policy more aggressive and more wide-ranging, and he undoubtedly uh, galvanised the players. You know, he was an inspiration right from the start. I mean, in Scotland, it was it was common knowledge that this was one of. Well, he wouldn't have got the Aberdeen job if he hadn't been top-class potential. Yeah, but it's like you said, the the way that he started, because of the expectation there, Aberdeen finished fourth in, in his first season in charge. They got to the semi-finals of domestic cups, and that was seen mm. as a, a little difficult start, really, but it was the second season where he really um, kicked on. Yeah. And they got yeah. to the League Cup final. They, they lost that time, but they won the league. Um, and I think winning, winning the league was the startling thing, and it was uh, because, I mean... I don't think a club other than Rangers or so. I mean, Hearts had had a, a period, Hearts and Hibs after the war. Mm. But um, gen- historically, it was almost unheard of um, for for clubs from outside the old firm um, to do it. And, and I don't think anyone has done it quite as sustained in the history of Scottish football, has mounted quite as sustained a challenge, or indeed ascendancy over the old firm as uh, Ferguson's Aberdeen did yeah a few, a few weeks before they won the first title they played against Hibs um, I mentioned this because they drew 1-1 in the game and Willie Miller mm-hmm. for Aberdeen he was having an argument with Hibs winger George Best and Miller was sledging George telling him that he, telling him that he wasn't the player that he once was mm-hmm. and at the end of the game Best throws a bob back at Miller and he says haha you've lost uh, you've drawn the game 
that's going to cost you the title. Best goes back to California, where he's yeah. living, playing for San Jose. A few weeks later, Aberdeen win their first title under Ferguson with a 5-0 yeah. win at Easter Road. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, best, a little too far for the salt to be rubbed into the wound, but I think Miller made his point. <laughs> I think he had. It was a terrific, uh, terrific team, that. I mean, based on the triangle <coughs> at the back of um, two centre-backs, um, McLeish, who we have just mentioned earlier, Willie Miller, and behind them, Jim Layton. So it was a... Uh, it, it was a, it was a it was a terrific foundation, but of course there was quality uh, going forward as well. I've I've already mentioned Peter Weir, the outside left, who he poached from his well, poached is too strong, who he brought from his uh, previous clubs at Mirren. Uh, on the other flank, uh, the outstanding Gordon Strachan was Mark McGee at centre forward, uh, who Ferguson you know was a good player when. You know when he arrived at Aberdeen, but Ferguson made him an outstanding player, who terrorised, uh, uh, famously terrorised Real Madrid in that in that European Cup Winners' Cup final. Uh, there were there were good players all over the field. The right back Stuart Kennedy, not known in England, but uh, massively respected um, in Scotland, as probably second only to Danny McGrain and well, third to only to Danny McGrain and Sandy Jardine or, or, as, as, as fullbacks of that era um, Scottish fullbacks of that era Kennedy was an outstanding player um, the, the McMaster at left back constructive left back who could hit our long passes that reminded you of Glenn Hoddle I mean he, he, he was an amazing long passer McMaster so they had I've, lift, I've missed a few out Eric Black very, very intelligent centre-forward, not particularly tall, but good in the air um, uh, and, and on the ground, scored also in the, against Real Madrid. So there was, and again, I've probably missed some out, but there was, there was quality all the way through the side. But above all, especially after Ferguson, there was belief. Yeah. Um, and as well, Paddy, the, the, the thing to, to mention about this is that it was an accomplished set of results and performances. This isn't, wasn't a flash in the pan. He was no. building something. When they beat Bayern Munich on the run to, to the final, when they beat Real Madrid in the final, you, you looked at Aberdeen like serious competitors. They weren't there to yes. make up the numbers. That's right. Yeah, I was at, I was at the Bayern Munich game in Petodre and uh, uh, it was a fantastic performance. One of the outstanding moments of course was the uh, again had the mark of Ferguson on it because it was a bit of kidology at a free kick I don't know if you remember where uh, one player Strachan was involved in this one player went to take it stopped pretended to have an argument with Strachan and Strachan was uh, gesticulating and then suddenly whipped in a perfect ball for Alec McLeish who knew exactly what was going to happen (laughs) <laughs> and bang, a header was in the net, and 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 Bayern Munich were almost saying, "Well, that's a bit unsporting, you know." But <laughs> it was, you know, that was that kind of craftiness and and uh, street wisdom uh, that, that, that later came to Manchester United was was very much evidence in evident in that uh, Aberdeen team. But it was they were a band of warriors as well, uh, and that in a way very much comparable to the first great side. That Ferguson was to build it at um, at United with some really bristly characters. I remember, uh, and you mentioned the Bayern Munich match. 
um, as the teams went out in, uh, in Munich, uh, one of the Bayern Munich players later wrote a book in which he said, it, 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 as soon as we saw this team, we were a little bit, we thought, what have we taken on? We looked across at the Aberdeen team and none of them seemed to have any teeth, <laughs> which is a great tribute to the Scottish dental uh, system, perhaps, <laughs> or, or, or maybe to do with the amount of sugary uh, deep-fried Mars bars they'd been eating. <laughs> but it was true. And MacLeish told me that story. Uh, that, uh, and they were, yeah, they were a band of, a band of uh, warriors, without any question. Uh, a year later, um, Aberdeen retained the Scottish Cup, a 1-0 win over Rangers at Fergus, yeah. and afterwards he was infamously seen on television describing yeah. the performance as disgraceful. Yeah. Um, he later backtracked on it, but this was, this was an indication of the standards he was now holding. Mm. That's true, and what's more, uh, when I spoke to Martin Edwards about the recruitment of Alec Ferguson, he, he actually mentioned that, and I was surprised. He said... You know, he talked about, oh, yeah, we knew he was uh, a, a youth development man. We, you know, we knew he could build football teams. Um, but what one thing that stuck in my mind, said Martin, was, was that, that bollocking that he gave the players after they'd won the cup. <laughs> and he said, wow. You know, I thought, what standards this guy has. You know, you've not just got to win, but you've got to win well. And, and he said that was a factor in, in, in um, you know, along with Bobby Charlton's advocacy of Ferguson, in, in, in them deciding to make him on a, a short list of one. There was talk of Terry Venables, but he was really on a short list of one, uh, Ferguson, yeah. when, when United came calling. But that's interesting. You know, he apologised for, for that uh, because the players were tired and, and they'd won the game. It's not as if they'd... And um, uh, he, he, he said... Uh, uh, I, there was another funny story about that. I can't remember who said it, but he, on the, uh, he was still seething on the bus going back to Aberdeen. And it was a long journey for these poor players who thought, well, what more can we do than win? And he said, um, he pointed at uh, McLeish and Miller. He said, you two were the only two that didn't let us down. The rest of you were a disgrace. <laughs> And there was just silence, and the, the bus finally uh, gets into uh, towards Aberdeen. And one of the players, it was probably Strachan, who said, "We'll not be going on an open-top bus down Union Street, Aberdeen tomorrow. It'll just be, it'll just be Miller and McLeish on a tandem." <laughs> <laughs> that was um, yeah that's Ferguson I, I guess at that point that's, yeah. it, that's a sign of his ambition and sort yeah, of acknowledgement that you know he's, this Aberdeen side had done great but there's a limit to how far they were going to go and obviously yes. he was courted by a number of English clubs um, yeah and Wolves he, among them yeah Arsenal Spurs as well everyone Correct. sort of wanted um, wanted him to, to go down there because his, his star was shining so brightly um, and obviously he was at the World Cup as well after what happened to Jock Steen Jock. Um, but yeah like you mentioned um, it was Manchester United where he was going before we get on to United just one last thing um, just the yeah. theory of the best manager in the world versus the right man for the job and that, that 
um, conversation. Now, British football was much more initial back then, and, and perhaps a good cause because all the European champions that were coming from England, you've got Aberdeen's success, obviously, in the European Cup Winners' Cup. And there was a great track record of great Scottish managers as well, really in its heyday at this point. But um, I just want to put it to you about Alex Ferguson being the best manager in the world versus the right man for the job. Is it difficult to, like these days, you've got Pep Guardiola, you've got Zinedine Zidane, you've got Bielsa, you've got all these coaches around the world that we've seen go to different places, so you're able to make a, an easier assessment. Difficult to do in those days, but um, how would you rank um, Ferguson's promise at that time? Oh, yes, I think he was, uh, I think his, his reputation, the, the European Cup winners' cup win had cemented his reputation in Europe, much as the UEFA Cup. Uh, win of 1908, uh, sorry, 2003, uh, established Jose Mourinho. Yeah. He, he didn't become famous in throughout Britain until a year later, after his uh, you know victory at Old Trafford, for, followed by Champions League victory for Porto. But uh, Ferguson's status was much as um, as Mourinho's was in 2003 when he'd won the. Uh, UEFA Cup, and now you look to see what he could do next. So, yeah, I think among the cognoscenti, he was uh, uh, he was definitely known. And I, I mean, the the other thing was, of course, that Terry Venables. Uh, it was a stage that the stock of the English coach was the beg your pardon, the British coach was so high that uh, that Terry Venables got the Barcelona job and so on. And I mean, it was Terry Venables. And, and, you know, Ferguson was sort of bracketed with Terry Venables um, as, you know, the kind of man who could who could go the speculation uh, concerned Venables as well as as well as Ferguson. While Ron Atkinson was a was was a was a sort of lame duck manager, um, you know, dependent on results day by day, as I mean, we are talking now in uh, in in November to 2020, and and, and much as as poor Oligon Silshire is now, so it's um, it, it, his status was definitely high. It wasn't. I mean, managers weren't probably seen as gods um, in the same way as they are now. I mean, Guardiola, uh, Klopp. I mean, these these men are uh, you know almost walk on water for the. Uh, to, to 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 look at the the, the publicity they get and, and sometimes with good reason, but managers were uh, seen much more in proportion in those days and um, and 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 that's how you should look at Ferguson. There weren't there weren't crowds walking down, uh, you know, marching round Albert Square, Manchester, saying we must have Ferguson now. No, but like you said, his his reputation was certainly was, um, in high stock. You know, when you when you when you've overturned uh, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid in a European competition, uh, you're you're well known, you're well respected. Yeah. Um, November nineteen eighty six. Um, you mentioned, and and it's quite right that there was only one man for the job, and it was. Alex Ferguson, Bobby mm. Charlton had already sounded him out and become friendly with him at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beforehand, it had always been a debate at United. There'd always been many candidates, and many times they hadn't got the first choice. You know, they'd gone for Jock Steen, they'd mm. gone for Laurie McMenemy, they'd gone for all these play uh, these coaches, and I think even Sexton turned them down before he went to them. So that there were all these different coaches who, who'd come who were second and third choice, mm-hmm. and and perhaps. Perhaps in a way, I don't know, Paddy, if, if 
you agree with this, but perhaps in a way that had been a reason for why there was something so disjointed about United's identity. I know Doherty got there for a little while, but mm-hmm. perhaps because United didn't know what they want, it was difficult to know. Well, the, the, you're absolutely right there, that it needed a special kind of person like Alex Ferguson to take that on. Bear in mind, you said Sexton turned United down once. Um, uh, Steen obviously uh, didn't didn't go there for one reason or another. Um, Laurie McMenemy turned them down because he thought, hmm, this job's going to chew me up. And if you look at it, you're quite right, they didn't know what they wanted. In came uh, Frank O'Farrell, you know, who I suppose was a little bit like Ferguson. He'd done well at a slightly lower level, very well with Leicester. Uh, he was a, a you know a, a man who could project the club in, in dignity and so on. And then they uh, they they go, they go for Doherty, who is yeah a bit more rough-hewn, wisecracking, uh, but you know fantastic, you know exciting footballer. Sorry, that was after Dave Sexton. Uh, Dave, Dave was, you know, Mr. Respectability. Uh, so they seem to be swaying from one character of manager to another. Um, and I suppose uh, they, Ron Atkinson, who, was, uh, who has many virtues as a manager, a, a, a tremendous virtues as a manager, but the youth development isn't one of them. Hmm. You definitely couldn't say that he's a a holistic manager. You know, it was the first team. That was what mattered and uh, to, to, to Ron and entertaining the punters. Now, Ferguson was very much the opposite. So they, they went for somebody else. But it was the best decision that they made to go back to find someone who was as close to Matt Busby as they could possibly get. Someone who would build the whole club. And in fact, that's what happened when Ferguson had his interview, such as it was, with... Um, you know, Martin Edwards, Bobby Charlton, and uh, I think Mike Edelson um, also was there when they, they had an interview at a relative, of, a, a member of, the, of Ferguson's sort of uh, extended family um, uh, just south of Glasgow. And, and, and they, it was just a meeting of minds. The United Party went up there with the intention of saying, listen, unless you want to reform our, our club completely, this job may not be for you. And Ferguson went down with his script, which was, I want to reform this club completely, because if that's not what you want me to do, I'm not the man for you. And it was just, it was just a complete meeting of minds. And from then on, I mean, within five minutes of them sitting down together in, I think it was Martin Edwards's car, um, they... Uh, the, there was no question of uh, of uh, of it of the deal not the the hands not being shaken and the and the announcement not being made. Interesting. I, I completely agree. You know, we've talked about this before. The the sort of cult of personality and for a while, you mentioned Ducky and Sexton and and their contrasts. I think for a while the idea of personality became more more um, important than the substance of what they were trying to bring because the idea was that the substance was there when it wasn't and obviously the the, the sort of transitional um, time had overtaken that as well. Um, 
But I am interested to know, uh, every single manager came in, obviously with this idea of a long-term goal, because I don't think uh, Manchester United uh, and uh, other institutional football clubs like an Arsenal or, or a Liverpool, you don't hire a manager to hire them for two seasons. Well, you didn't then. You hired them for, for a longer period of time. You looked at this sort of... And maybe that's true of every football club. Maybe I'm I'm not trying to be... Um, um, turn my nose up at anyone else but certainly the, the sort of the big clubs where you were well, Liverpool you, you could you could bracket Liverpool with Manchester United yeah. in that uh, yeah, sense absolutely. Uh, you know let's the boot room you know yeah exactly and United to, to their internal credit were thinking long term when they appointed Alex Ferguson I don't know if they ever certainly neither of them ever visit, envisaged 26 years but um, yeah they 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 certainly uh, envisaged a decade. And what, and what do you think when they were getting Ferguson? I think that pretty much we can all ascertain from what happened with the Atkinson reign and why he was dismissed that mm. the the goal within that ten years was to win a league title. Mm. But what else do you think that they were hoping? I mean, I, I guess Edwards has looked at what he'd done at Aberdeen. He'd looked at what he'd done at St Mirren and sort of said, okay, well we can break the Liverpool stranglehold mm. and maybe establish a team that can not only win one title, maybe two. And then, obviously, we talked about the younger players as well. So these were all the kind of things that, like you said, it was a perfect meeting of the minds, this yes. meeting of ideals. Yes. But uh, United, I think, were hoping for uh, a little uh, bit more than that. They were hoping for discipline because the discipline within the club, within most clubs, wasn't what it is today. I mean, I'm talking about drink, basically. Yeah. Uh, and allied things, obviously. Um, uh, you know, if you're, if you're on your third pint, you don't think I'm not going to spend the whole day in the pub. Um, you, you, you know, you, you, yeah. drink leads to other things. Um, and, I mean, it, it, the, whole, the whole discipline at the club was not good. It wasn't great in football. <clears throat> but Manchester United were conscious that it needed to be done and Ferguson was aware of it because of course through his enduring friendship at that time with Gordon Strachan they would talk while Ferguson was still at Aberdeen they would talk and Strachan not knowing that he was snitching because yeah. <laughs> not knowing that Ferguson was going to be the manager said oh there's a few drinkers down here boss oh my god and uh, uh, so, so Ferguson was, was well aware and when he when he asked Martin Edwards, is there a drink culture at the club? He knew what the answer was going to be. So, you know, that was another thing that needed to be sorted out, um, which he did with, uh, when you look back on it, the most extraordinary, brave uh, decisions. He had three top players, all of whom he needed. Because when he got to Old Trafford, one thing that the team uh, lacked, it lacked a lot, but in, in terms of where Manchester United wanted to go. But one thing that it lacked was strength, physicality. You know, it was a team of, of you know, Olsen and, and, you know, good players. Though, though they, he and Arthur Alberston, Peter Davenport, they weren't the, they weren't, they were guys who could knock you out of the way. They had yeah. to play the way. And um, Terry Gibson, Colin Gibson, you know, you could go through loads of uh, Johnny Sivbeck. Not one of them was intimidating, mm. but he had three, two intimidating players who were intimidating, who had good physiques, and there were Norman Whiteside and, uh, and Paul McGrath. 
But they were two of his three biggest problems in terms of addressing the drink culture. The third was Brian Robson. Uh, but Brian Robson was simply too good. You know, you, 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 he, was, he was too good a pro, too good a player, too good... Uh, he'd like to drink, but there was no... Ferguson said, look, I, because I'm, there's no way I'm going to get rid of Brian Robson, one of the best players in, in, in Europe, um, I'm going to reluctantly have to get rid of two of my biggest assets on the field, which were uh, Norman Whiteside and Paul McGrath. And, and that he did. Looking back on it, um, he got rid of a United legend and probably one of the greatest players that's ever played for the Republic of Ireland. Uh, mm -hmm. And definitely a candidate for best centre-half I've ever seen in my life in Paul McGrath. And not too shabby in midfield. Yeah. So these were top, top, top assets that he sacrificed on the way to rebuilding Manchester United as a club. And changing the culture, absolutely, Paddy. But it's also worth knowing, while while because obviously we're covering this era that that took two or three years to happen. So it, there was certainly a period of time where he, he looked he looked at what he had and obviously what he was inheriting, and and certainly in the first two years, you know, inevitably at the end, as we all saw, that they became collateral damage and sort of examples of. The, the the standard that Ferguson was setting, but for the first two years, he oh, was no. it was very much a case of how do I turn this around and get them on side. Yeah, he didn't go he didn't go in guns blazing. You see, that's the other thing we th we think now of Ferguson in retrospect as a as a firebrand who didn't take any prisoners and who you know th threw the bad apples out of the dressing room and all the, this kind of stuff. No, he, he he was much too crafty for that. He went in knowing that if he did go in with uh, uh, an axe uh, uh, to, and, and apply an axe to the dressing room, that he would uh, last about as long as Brian Clough did um, <laughs> at Leeds. And, and no, no, he was much too clever for that. He was actually, you know, he, he, he would lose his rag at times if the performance wasn't to his satisfaction, but uh, it was... You know, there was a lot of nurture as well. There was a lot of long, you know, uh, canniness and, and cleverness in knowing what he could do. I don't think he went into the market straight away. He had been told by Martin Edwards that there was no money available. Um, and, uh, and yet, when after, as you say, a period of a couple of years when he, he decided what he needed, uh, the money actually did become available. He was very good at uh, wheedling uh, money out of Martin. It was always a tension between them in every possible way. But uh, Martin Edwards did uh, provide the money for the likes of Pallister. Funnily, Danny Wallace, I, I talked before about needing to increase the, the size and power of, this, of the team, uh, particularly when McGrath and, and Whiteside left. Uh, Danny Wallace was hardly, hardly fitted the bill of a, of a, of a strong man, but Bruce and Pallister did, yeah. um, and 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 that they were the foundations of uh, of the revival in in, in 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 the way that they were, there were two defenders that they were you know you, 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 they were fierce, fierce yeah. as well as as well as gifted on the on the ground. 
We'll talk about the um, the entirety of Ferguson's first season in our next episode, but I just want to run over the uh, first couple of games. Obviously, played, the first ever game he played, uh, he coached United, was at Oxford United's Manor Ground, where they lost 2-0. Mm. The team sheet for that has infamously gone to auction many times. Um, I'm not even sure that... <laughs> It's the, the original that's up there for auction anymore. Um, maybe there's um, some crafty guy with um, good duplicates there. But um, I mentioned the first well, co- couple the of Clayton Clayton Blackmore, a friend of this podcast. He would have been in that team. Absolutely, he was. Yeah, and a couple of yeah. games later. Uh, the reason why I mention uh, these first few games is because yeah. um, he talked about Gordon Strachan telling tales. He'd also told. The um, United players some tales about Alex Ferguson, which That's was um, expect the hairdryer, and the yeah. first hairdryer actually came um, in his first month in charge. They were down at Wimbledon at Plough Lane, where um, I'm delighted that you know, funnily enough, we we are recording this podcast the day before the anniversary of Alex Ferguson arriving at United, mm. and a couple of days after Wimbledon return to Plough Lane so a nice bit of symmetry there Um, but United lost down at Wimbledon which was this was symbolic of this Manchester United team they would lose at places like Wimbledon um, and they get bullied um, quite horrendously doing so and it was after that game where the first hairdryer came out um, where I think even the United players who'd been warned to expect it by Strachan were still surprised by how vociferous um, their new manager could be um, well that's it for this uh, first episode of Fergie United and how he arrived our next episode is going to focus on the early days as he made his mark at Old Trafford Uh, the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.